G'day listeners and welcome to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. Uh, we're the AFL Fantasy Cop podcast that focuses on the lesser knowns and not the superstars that uh, everyone else talks about each week. My name's Hef and I am joined by my co-host Kays. How are you going mate? Good mate and you have to introduce the third member of our podcast tonight. Who's the third member? The microphone stand. Oh, yeah. No, it's always been here. I've just actually started using it. So, Jeez. Yeah. You, feel, you, look, you look so much more professional than I am. Hands free. I've got a spare one at work. I, I can have bring to hold a microphone like a <laughs> absolute schmuck. This is the kind of treatment I get in this uh, podcast. I'll bring my other one home from work and you can use that next week. How's Hell that? yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, enough about uh, yeah the uh, accessibility of being hands free during the podcast and more about some uh, breaking news mm. through the week. Uh, pretty quiet week in terms of injuries and stuff like that, Case. What's yeah, been going was, on? Uh, yeah, I suppose the big one that will affect every fantasy player really in some aspect is Josh Kelly. Uh, he's gone for three weeks with an injury. So, obviously, uh, Lockie Whitfield's been close to returning for the Giants. So, he's probably straight in for them. But um, Whitfield's been doing his best work kind of on a wing and halfback flank this season. So, it'd be interesting to see if, um, you know, Jackson Haintley gets a bit of a bump yeah. uh, with some midfield minutes there that uh, Josh Kelly departs. Uh, Potentially Jai Caldwell, is he in the in the uh, gun for a call-up? Probably not because he played his first game back last week. But if he was fit and firing in the in the twos and the knee full, he probably would be, you know, someone they might experiment with. But mm-hmm. I reckon they're going to have to wait two or three weeks for him to actually fire up in the in the knee full. But yeah, Haightley I think is a big one for me. I reckon they probably will give him a bit more responsibility in the midfield. Especially because his um, time on ground minutes have been so low this season. Yeah. So hopefully even just none of the 5% or five percent or ten percent of game time could be some big numbers. Yep, I think you're on the money there and hopefully that uh, yeah, it comes to fruition. Mm. Uh, Tommy McDonald, he's gone for the season. Uh, you would think that Max Gorn would come in to kind of not really replace him, but uh, he comes back into Ruck, which probably yeah. pushes Braden Proust forward because they don't really have any other options. And uh, Sam Wiedemann, I don't even know if he's injured or not, uh, what the go is there with him. Yeah, but, I'm not sure. Um, you know, you've got to get Gorn back in that side and it'll be interesting to see if Melbourne uh, roll the dice again with two Ruckman. Now, does that affect Gorn, do you think, or do you reckon they plonk Proust up forward and, you know, use him as a, as a pillar or do they do they actually rotate them and make Gorn play a little bit forward or what's the go there? Probably depends on how how Gorn's feeling really. You know, if he's still carrying a little niggle, he might play a bit more time up forward. That might actually give him a bit more flexibility where he doesn't have to be solo Ruck. So, might be uh, bad news for Gorn owners. Well, especially for the next week or two, but yeah. you know, if you need to win the next two or three games to to make your finals, it might be a bit uh, a bit tight. But you should be right uh, come finals time, I think. Yeah, keeping on the Melbourne theme, uh, Marty Hoare, what happened to him? Uh, he busted his collarbone, so he's been a good uh, cash cow in uh, the salary cap style of fantasy football, but uh, his season's gone, so uh, goodbye soldier to him. But uh, probably Jake Lever comes back in. I think he's ready to go. He's only played the one game for the Demons this season for 60-odd, so interesting to see how he goes uh, back now that he's kind of fit and going. So uh, not sure whether he's going to set the world on fire with uh, with points, but uh, probably gives a few other Melbourne guys a bit of uh, chance to um, create a bit of runoff halfback with, with Hall's departure. Now, you've been banging on about Hugh Greenwood all mm, season. Good eyes. We've seen uh, injury to Caleb Margebank. Yes. Kays, do you reckon it's finally the week that we're going to see Hugh Greenwood come in and score 30 points each week for us? Stop calling Hugh Goddard Hugh Greenwood. Hugh that's, Goddard, disres- that's disrespectful to the great man. Uh, I did see a tweet. He wishes he scored as good as well as uh, <laughs> Hugh Greenwood. I did see a tweet that uh, someone said that Hugh Goddard's been the best uh, fullback in the VFL this season and deserved his spot in the, oh, in the just, Carlton side. It's so. just screaming fantasy gold. Look, I'm excited. <laughs> 
look, if, if you if you flag someone in the preseason and they don't get a game until, what, round 17, potentially, you know, this is building. You know, we're, we're running out of players to talk to because everyone's just becoming so fantasy relevant from this podcast now. Well, that's true. I look through it each week and I'm like, oh, we've talked about this guy to death. We've talked about yeah. this guy to death. Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably not a bad idea to start talking about some more oh, spuds. Oh, please, please, <laughs> please, David T, bring in Hugh Goddard and so he can talk about his solid 50 next week. That would be fantastic. All right, let's move on to the round rewind. Okay, on to the round rewind, the segment where we uh, recap all the games from the week and look at the uh, fantasy potential of a few players that stood out or rip into a few blokes who we thought should be doing better. So, started with Friday night football, Hawthorne versus Collingwood. Now, Kays, this was one of the most boring games of footy uh, I've watched this season, I think. Just, until uh, the last quarter. Until the last quarter, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't fall asleep in this one, but uh, actually I think I did fall asleep for a bit of a chunk of it. But anyway, I remember then. Uh, Jarman Impey, first cab off the rank this week so I don't know he's becoming a legitimate option now I think Case mm. 25 disposals and 6 marks and 96 fantasy points he's had 82 from his last 5 and he's got the back and forward status which we harp on about a bit which yep. makes him pretty flexible I don't know I'm starting to like the look of him he was super on Friday night and his uh, marking, they made a note about that in the commentary, he was taking some really nice intercept marks. He's, yeah. he's playing in with a lot of confidence, which is a good thing if you're an owner and you do have him heading into finals. Uh, I reckon he's got some fantasy potential about him, you know, like he's probably mid-20s now and, uh, you know, potentially, you know, that, those massive scores are past it. But, you know, if you're scoring 82 as a, as a backman heading forward, that's that's good going. And, you know, with Hawthorne in a kind of a rebuild, he does seem to have locked down that kind of halfback spot there and, you know, it could be a really good option going forward. And those intercept mark numbers were probably what was missing from his fantasy game as well. Just, you know, those, those extra few numbers that you get from taking a few grabs yep. bumps him from those 70s to 80s. That's the thing. You only need three marks to push from a 70 yeah. to an 80, basically. Yeah, and so if he's getting those. Yeah, that's it. All right, Mitchell Lewis had 84 Dream Team points, seven marks and two goals. He looked good. He was clunking everything, but mm. tall forward, you know, it was, it was just one of those nights where he stood out, I think, because there wasn't much else going on. I don't know if it's a viable or legitimate option going forward, but... Uh, not in the short term, I don't think. I th- while Hawthorne is still kind of on the on the brink, it's going to be tough to back him in each week. But Cheesy yeah. does have a good set good set of hands, so um, you know, one to potentially just keep on the watch for the rest of the season. Uh, Darcy Moore had ninety Dream Team points, twenty one disposals, and six marks. For me, he has the skill set to be a fantasy scorer. I think just the role kills him, playing a, a key defender role. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and, and just to kind of highlight this, it was his first score above 70 for the year. Mm-hmm. So, again, another good score that stood out on the night, but probably not something that's reliable. As we talk about quite a lot, you are very anti anyone over, you know, six foot. Um, it no, is not, not six foot, it's just the position. Six <laughs> foot and plays a key defender role. But it is kind of uh, on that nice edge of, you know, someone like a Michael Hurley who can score, you know, 80s and 90s quite regularly or someone, uh, you know, of Darcy Moore. And they're still quite, they're both similar in terms of the intercepting marking ability. It's just probably where they get the cheap ball. Hurley's mm. fantastic at getting the cheap ball, whereas, you know, Moore's still quite accountable. So it depends on their game plan a bit more as well. If you hold it up across halfback a bit more and chip it around true. or if you, if you play fast football and try to get it moving forward as quick as possible. But if we're only looking ahead to 2020 or, you know, potentially he's not a, he's obviously not a keeper uh, for most leagues, but would be someone that, you know, you'd be willing to take a flyer at late in next yeah, season's yeah. draft just, just because of those facts that, um, you know, he can take those intercept grabs. Yeah, maybe late. Uh, Isaac Huayna. Huayna. Oh, he was good. <laughs> he was good. Uh, first game. He had a huge first quarter. Finished with 78 uh, from 18 disposals and seven marks. Yeah, I thought he was more of a quality over quantity 
player. So there's a listener tweet later on th- asking mm. a few things where I, where I delve into his uh, junior career a bit more. Okay. But um, he proved me wrong in this game. Um, and it's probably worth grabbing off the waivers now just for that potential. But there's still a few things that uh, I, I want to watch a bit more with Quayna before we uh, yeah. before we kind of, you know, go all in on him. Yeah, the things that stood out to me, he just looked – he looked like – uh, physically ready, like yeah. he was, he was big compared to what I thought he was going to come yeah. out as, and his poise with the footy was fantastic too. So, uh, two good things that I liked. He didn't look out of place at all. So yeah. that's really good for someone in their first game. All right, Essendon versus Sydney Kays. Your boys are on a bit of a roll. We are. Uh, are we talking flags down at down at uh, Windy Hill? Well, Tullamarine now. I think every one of their supporters is. So yeah, yes. probably good, good, good. <laughs> uh, but it's all about. It's on, really on the back of this guy, Sean McKernan. He is on fire. Uh, 102 from him on the weekend. 17 touches, seven marks, and two goals. We did talk about it last week. How um, with uh, Tommy Bell Chambers out, yeah. that we've got Zach Clark rucking, which is a disgrace to the, the craft <laughs> of both Rutman and football. But uh, it does mean that Sean McKernan's pinch hitting in the ruck so he had 11 hit outs there and you know while that's only an extra you know 10 or so points him, him around the ball is really good especially in that ruck situation because he's quite nimble and quite agile so even if he's not winning the ruck contest he can actually quite get down to the ball quickly which is good for the you know the handballs or the tackles and that kind of thing so yeah, he's quite decent at ground level yeah well, i do he? like him in that kind of role so especially while um, we're playing zach clark hopefully for not too much longer, um, Shawnee McKernan can keep getting a few uh, cheap touches and, and some good scores. So he'd be one I'd be looking to bring in if you are able to as a, a good forward option. Yeah, I hope people were listening last week when we uh, flagged that. Yes, we are all over it. Uh, David Zaharakis, obviously too good for the pod, but just one who pinched back status last week. Mm. Um, and I think this kind of makes him very, very relevant now. He's kind of gone from being, you know, a, you know, a serviceable midfielder or one of your, you know, uh, M5, M6, that kind of thing. Now he almost becomes a premium defender. Yeah. So it depends if you are um, hunting a flag this year, I reckon he becomes super important. But I think the role that he's been playing in the back half of the season, he should be keeping that back status going into 2020. Yeah, yeah, so he, he kind of comes into, you know, a real important keeper calculation going forward. So if you do have him and he's all of a sudden got this, I think his, his value has just gone up uh, yeah. significantly. So if you're not contending or don't think you're going to contend as well, it's a super valuable trade out to, or trade out player. Exactly. Yes. And especially if you've got a good... Uh, a strong back line and you might want to bring in you know a half decent mid or forward or, or right wing. you know you've, a, yeah. you've actually got some currency now which uh you should be looking to exploit uh kyle langford surprisingly my my boy was dropped here but he did get recalled when dyson hepper was laid out uh he was just kind of solid enough with his 76 there and i'm just really worried about his job security now because i think he's actually been playing all right and a few other yeah. people do as well but uh, obviously he's doing something that Wushi is not enjoying so uh just be one to monitor for the rest of the season probably not as hot as it, hot on him as i was probably two weeks ago now but uh interesting to see what we do with langford because he is a bit of an accumulator and a, a handy dream teamer and the Sydney players, Kay, does anyone stand out there? Uh, there's a few. Uh, Dane Rampey, he's been really good this year in fantasy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know if you get any more points for climbing goalposts, but uh, he had a 90 on the weekend, and he's going at 91.3 in his last five games. So he's one that if you are flag hunting, I'd actually throw something that stumps up because his seasons are looking really good. But, you know, for, for someone like me who's probably not contending, and if I did have him, I'd be willing to offload him because I don't think he has that continued um, – that, that scores in him for the rest of the, you know, for next year and the year beyond. I, I don't know how he's rolled. He, all of a sudden, he's just becomes a, a scoring option. Where, you know, whereas his whole career, he's just been a lockdown, you know, 50-60 kind of player. So, uh, he'd be one I'd be trading out highly. Sorry, I was just basking in the comment that you're not contending anymore, despite all preseason being contending. 
So um, now just, I'm just talking about nice. my chances, <laughs> and then I'm going to pinch the last three games, sneak in, and win the flag. Uh, James Rowbottom, he is very, very good and should be on everyone's radar. He had 87 from only 52% time on ground. That yeah, is huge good numbers. numbers. 24 touches, four marks, and three tackles. The crazy thing is, he's only 28% owned. So yeah. if you are playing, uh, you know, waiver pickups until the end of the season, I'll be jumping on him right now because he is a serious talent. Sure. Uh, Harry Cunningham, he returned with a solid 72. Uh, his average is 85 for the season. So uh, he looks like he's going to continue his good role and good scoring uh, ability this season. So uh, he's very highly owned. I did look, he's like 93% owned, which is crazy. But uh, he looks like he's going to continue on where he left off pre-injury. And uh, your boy, Jordan Dawson, had a quiet game with 71. But another one who added uh, back status to his uh, repertoire last week. Yeah, it's funny and Fantasy Classic, he got forward status. Yeah, it's like, crazy. He it? just runs around everywhere. Like, I don't think they're really watching him that much. So, it's still, to me, probably a midfielder more yeah. so than anything. But-, but I tell you what, if he keeps back status heading into next season, he yeah. is uh, one hell of a keeper. So, well, I uh, hope he does because yeah. I own him. Try and sneak him into your side if you can. All right, uh, Gold Coast Suns versus Richmond Cays. Yeah, I'll keep the ball rolling. Will Brody, our boy, got dropped and then was a late in for two metre Peter with the bad weather. He accumulated 22 touches and seven marks for his 97. I just don't know why they're not trying to stick with him week in, week out. It kind of is a bit crazy, but uh, as us fantasy players have been told before, fantasy stats don't get you picked, which yeah. is a disgrace. Drew likes the guys that kind of set the standard, I guess, mm. and uh, guys that actually use the football pretty well. Um, so, yeah, he can come under fire every now and then if he's not, uh, you know, playing to their game plan perfectly or hitting the KPIs. Yeah, so one I'd still like to keep my eye on, but obviously that job security is risky, like a la uh, Kyle Langford. So, uh, Sammy Day, he's one that's reinventing himself this year. He added 90, uh, bounced back from a 50 the week before, and I think the week prior he added 90 as well. So, two out of three ain't bad for Sam Day. Uh, and just with no two-metre Peter in the side, he basically becomes the Sun's second Rutman, uh, which obviously does a lot, but... Uh, Sammy Day is quite versatile, one to monitor, just kind of in that same Sean McKernan mould where, you know, um, guys like him are good as a second rock option because they're also good on the ground as soon as the ball hits it. So, just one to monitor for the rest of the season there. And Jesse Joyce, the last Gold Coast player, uh, we touched on him last week. He's kept keeping up his really good form, 78 of the weekend and 78 through his last five, which includes an 85 and an 88. And he's only 29% owned, which is pretty damn good for a back. So, one to keep your eye on too if you do need a backman at this time of the year. He seems to be playing some good footy. All right, onto the Tigers. Yes, so Georgie Castagna, he had 118, basically his best ever score, but that came off the back of five goals, two, uh, 18 touches and 10 marks. Basically, he's not playing Gold Coast every week, so please don't uh, look at him at all. It's just a once-off. Shy Bolton, he's the one... Do you remember we got a tweet about him in the preseason yeah. saying, should I get in Shy Bolton? Well, maybe he does have some fantasy ability. He had yeah. 116, 26 touches, nine marks, four tackles and a goal. Bit of a curious case because uh, it's actually his second ton for the year. He scored 101 against Frio earlier in the year. Did kick four goals that game, which obviously helps a lot. But uh, look, he is quite risky because he's a bit of a yo-yo in terms of his role. But he might be one that we'd be looking at for a bit of a flyer late pick, 
you know, come next year. So just one to monitor for the rest of the season and potentially his role. I know yeah. Richmond are going to get stronger as the year goes on, but, uh, you know, he's still knocking up hundreds. You can't can't disregard that completely. Just Richmond in general, though, aren't the greatest fantasy side going around. Like, even in, like this game was actually quite good. I think they had four or five players actually get over 100 for a change. Yeah. Usually, usually they don't get that. And they only won by 100 points. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, you know, and Shai Bolton is just a result of that, plus being a small forward as well. It depends on matchups on the day and things like that as mm. to where he, whether he scores well or not. So. I'm happy to have him on my, mon- on my monitor list. So I'll, I'll take him on my, with my last pick for sure. Uh, and Jackie Graham, just uh, have to say it again, I do love this kid. 91 on the weekend. I'm just all chips in for him in 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with him as well. I just always thought that uh, he couldn't play on the same side as Cochin, but I guess he's proven him wrong now. I guess he's still scoring okay. Yes. Uh, on to the showdown. Uh, if you don't want to know this, you know, don't want to hear the next 10 minutes of rabble, just uh, tune out now. I think people like this uh, this segment. I've had we've had a few tweets at Ken uh, hashtag out there. It's been it's been <laughs> nice. hashtag save Ken, yeah, you know, tagging what? me into it, so getting me involved. So that's good. Uh, yeah, look, unfortunately, we had a win, so uh, yeah, then he keeps his job for another week. But uh, no, maybe I'm starting Crazy. to turn. Well, you know, we'll come out this week and we'll lose to Brisbane. You watch. So. <laughs> you want to talk in your microphone when you got that going? They're a good side. I was just showing you a drink because I don't have the luxury of uh, having a you know a stand. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jake Kelly, uh, first one for the Crows we'll talk about. So, 17 disposals, 8 marks, uh, 82 Dream Team points. Uh, always a beneficiary of Port's poor kicking uh, inside 4 to 50. There's always someone that kind of seems to, you know, just lap it up each week. And he was the one this week. So, um, I reckon uh, it's probably not too much to, uh, you know, rely on because going forward, I think the Crows have a lot of mouths to feed in that defence. Um, I know Miller has been playing up forward, so he doesn't really count. But you got your Brody Smiths, you got your Rory Leds, uh, you know, the raft of halfback flankers there they've mm-hmm. got, they all score pretty well. So, uh, not a lot other, you know, else to talk about from the Crows. Not really, they couldn't really get their hands on the pill uh, for the entire game. Sad. The entire second half, well, mm. pretty good to, for me to see. But uh, yeah, sad. Do you like Port or hate Port? I just really don't know. It's like like, I I like about a handful of players and hate everything else about them at the moment. Uh, You're like a bipolar supporter. (laughs) Let's go to the Port players though. Darcy Byrne Jones had 116 points, uh, 31 touches, and 11 marks. He's uh, mopping up all those wayward crows kicks. So the game was kind of funny because Port kind of really liked to lock it in their forward 50, but as they were coming out, the crows were getting sucked into the into the forward 50 as well. And then there was just blokes sitting out the back just mopping up everything that came out to the forward 50. So they just didn't counter that very well. And Darcy Byrne-Jones was on, on the end of a lot of these. Um, he ran through the middle a bit too and had a couple clearances, so that boosted his score. Um, this score is probably not too out of character for him. Like, he's definitely got potential to do this. But I think just the circumstances in this game kind of helped him out a bit more. But he's turning into a reasonable defender this season, so he's definitely one to watch going forward. The rise of him and Dan Houston have been pretty yeah. sweet in yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cleary, as a key defender, had 93 points, uh, 12 marks to contribute to that. Again, we talked about Crows going forward. He was kind of just mopping. But then Tex had a quiet day as well. Kicked a couple of goals, but they're on the end of a few lucky ones. So uh, still not for me, Tom Cleary, but worth mentioning for a decent score. Congratulations for that one, Tom Cleary. Uh, Xavier Dersmar, uh, he's an absolute gun. 88 points, 22 disposals, 8 marks. Should have kicked a couple goals too to really pump it up and get the bow and arrow out, but didn't happen. Uh, he's getting too good for the podcast, Kaz. I've been saying it for weeks. Yeah, question. Question is, Hef, will he keep his back status? 
Probably not. I reckon he might move just to a full-time wing role uh, next season. So, so probably just the C. That, yeah, just the C. But it wouldn't surprise me if that does come back. You know, maybe someone like Hamish Harlett goes down again or something like that. He might actually slot back into a role there. They might need him for that drive across halfback. But mm-hmm. uh, he's using the ball too well going inside 50, I think, as well. So, yep. uh, yeah, we kind of need him for that link-up too, which is what he's recruited for really after Pollock going out and he's doing a great job. Uh, Sam Powell Pepper coming in as a late inclusion for the injured Travis Boak who uh, had backs, uh, backs so great game from him 24 disposals and 6 tackles probably one of the better games I've actually seen him play and the fantasy score kind of reflected that uh, but he still only had 85 points so after a huge game like this um, I don't know if he's going to have you know I, I think that's his ceiling like we talked about this already this season that was my big gripe yeah. in pre-season yeah. when people were hot I said no he's that kind of 100 yeah. player or 90 odd player question is on the AFL website the old you know who's in who's out this week they've gone Boke in SPP out yeah, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? But I just can't really think of where else you'd go, to be honest. Um, yeah, maybe take out someone like Riley Bonner and keep both of them in. But if they do play together, does he scoring? You know, does he score that well? I don't know. Um, but yeah, the midfield like you can't take out Rocky. And yeah, well, where does that leave like, him then? Yeah, exactly. Well, he could be on the table. Who knows next mm. season? And to, for me, I, I wouldn't be opposed to trading him if you get something decent in return for him. Um, but that's not really fantasy relevant. So, no, just well, it might be actually if he goes to the club. Get on the yeah, club yeah. yeah, and actually score up. Um, Stephen Motlop, 84 points, bounced back after one of the worst games of all time against Western Bulldogs. Still a no for me. Time to let him go if you've got him. I just can't believe he averaged 90 in 2015. He hasn't gone anywhere near it. I think he had 80, 85 the season after that and then just... That was a hot boom. year. That was a yeah. hot year. Um, Western Bulldogs versus Geelong Cats on to the next game. So I had a look at this one after I got home. So I missed about the first quarter, but I watched it from then on. Uh, Toby McLean had uh, 82 points, uh, 25 disposals and five marks. He came in for Caleb Daniels. So it says a lot about that role, I mm. think. Um, so he should be good for the next month. Yep. Uh, not sure about the longevity after that. Like he's, he's actually... He's, play, he's a decent player, but I think uh, there's just too many players like that in the Bulldogs side for him to kind of maintain it or decent crack it anyway. Yep. Um, but yeah, it says a lot about that role. So if you need someone, some cover for, say, if you do own Caleb Daniel and you want to pick someone up, or he's probably already gone now, but you know, um, he's going to be going to be a decent scorer over the next few weeks. Uh, Aaron Norton had 106 points, kicked four goals, and he Ooh, was yeah. clunking marks and kicking snags. Uh, I just hope he can come a bit more consistent because there's so much potential here, Kaze. He's still so young. That's yeah, the thing. exactly. Like he's so young. That's why I'm happy to cut him some slack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, I think he's third year and, you know, but what he can do, you know, we talk about his marking ability and how important that is in fantasy football, but, you know, he covers the ground beautifully. Um, he, he can do it all. He could be a, he could be a genuine jet. Uh, Bailey Williams, one of your boys, 75.7 disposals and six marks. Mm. He's still playing that wing role, so we know he scores better as a, as a backman. Yep. But hopefully he's just warming to it, you know, he's kind of learning the craft. Um, he's going to lose a lot of value as a mid-only next season, though. So mm. he might be one you might want to try to trick someone into or something, <laughs> get him out now. It's going to be hard to uh, justify yeah. keeping him. As uh, Hef touched on, I am probably not contending this year anymore. So... These are the kind of guys, all this trash that I kept uh, at the start of the season, you're trying to hold on and see if there's one of these guys who can be a keeper for you next year. Yeah. So you're just kind of crossing your fingers for the next, uh, you know, six or seven weeks to see what comes of it. You know, yes, if you can potentially trade him on some kind of value, go for it. But, uh, you know, look, someone like him, it's probably just worth, in, if you're in the situation like me, if he, you know, finishes the season off hot, yes, you can keep him. If he doesn't, you know, you're not really going to lose too much delisting him. Mm. Uh, on to some Geelong players. Uh, Zach Tui, 105 points, third disposals and six marks. So he's turning up every time Geelong lose, basically, and he's in the side. So he's showing that scoring potential when the ball is spending a fair bit of time in defence. Uh, 
and I'm hoping he can maintain it from here on in, but I just would like to see him do it in like a dominant performance and not when they're just getting smashed. Yeah, well, it's very weird, isn't it? Yeah, well, it makes sense, but, you know, he, he never used to be like that. He used to be able to score it. Consist- and he was doing it consistently. Yeah, yeah. He's going 100 or 50, which yeah. is a bit of a killer. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Clark backed up his 96 with an 89 this week. He's pushing up the ground heaps more and getting involved in more plays. Uh, he had eight marks and three tackles, and he now has my attention. So after last week, I was basically saying, I'm not 100% sold, and I'm still not 100% sold. He's, but he's so talented. Definitely got my attention. I just, I think there's there's been a noticeable change in role of him. They're trying to get the ball in his hands a lot more, and he's playing closer to the ball. Um, I don't know. I just still think. Well, no, no, I don't think. I think he's actually going to be good now. But um, I'd still like to see one more good performance from him. I think before he, I jump on. He's basically the Tui replacement, or yeah, Stuart he's going to be. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mark O'Connor, the Irishman, uh, 83 fantasy points, nine in disposals. He's got a really decent outside game, but I'm unsure of his reliability in fantasy going forward. So, again, if he's, um, you know, relied on to getting some contested footy or, you know, things aren't going his way from defence, mm-hmm. um, he can struggle a bit. But, again, I think a lot of these defenders that where the ball was spending a lot of time in Geelong's uh, half, they, they've scored really well this week. So, uh, yeah, don't know about the longevity of it, but uh, keep your eye on him. Uh, Mark Blitzarves as well. So, 77 points, 20 disposals, four marks, Another guy he played in the fence. That ruck stint he played the week before was pretty short-lived. Uh, he only had 10 hit-outs this week, oh, I think it was. Uh, so, Reece Stanley carried the majority of the workload in the ruck. So, we thought there might be a bit of a bump there going forward, considering how well he uh, scored the week before. But um, for a defender, it's still a decent score. And I reckon he's definitely worth jumping on if you need a waiver pickup or someone going forward because yeah. I reckon he'll just those extra – he's still getting a bit of ruck time, so he's getting an extra you know, 10 or so points a game that's bumping up a little bit. And we know, you know, D5s are kind of hard to come by sometimes. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. um, always handy. Uh, On to the derby or the derby or whichever way they say it over in Perth. But it was a dirty, dirty day for Fremantle. I think it was the the worst ever goal-kicking efficiency in AFL history. Yeah, it looked awful. I didn't watch this amazing. (laughs) Two goals, (laughs) 20-something. Anyway, one of the shining lights for the Dockers was Darcy Tucker. He had 87 from 29 touches. He's one of those ones who just kills himself for not getting those cheap slutty marks and a few more tackles. So, you know, if he can kind of bring that into his game, he will be even better. Um, He's averaged 88 in his last five games. And surprisingly, he's only 66% owned. And I don't think he's the worst backup for the rest of this season if you do need some mid cover or potentially just someone to come in and he's obviously found his spot in the Dockers side he hasn't missed a game this season so he's one I'd be looking for, for from 2020 onwards he's only 22 23 so still an upside there and um, you know Fremantle will probably continue to build so uh, one I'd be looking at for sure yeah uh, Aaron Sanderlands he had uh, what do you have Bugger all, 40 from 55% time on ground and 18 hitouts. Yeah. I just don't know what the point of him playing anymore is. Like, he, <laughs> What's the point of Aaron Sandler? <laughs> What's the point? Like, he's 36. I know Sean Darcy's injured, but like uh, Roy Lobb's coming back, but he's just yeah. has to be almost third string now. Doesn't well, I he lost the point? Well, I think last week, I guess, with Freo not having too many key forwards going around at the moment with mm-hmm. injuries, Playing lob up forward, then, you know, trying to get standard lens in there just to win hit outs. He can't even jump anymore, though. Yeah. So, he just stands there like a giraffe and tries to uh, tries to win a few down. But I agree with you. He's done. As soon as Darcy's back. Actually, it's going to be interesting to see Darcy and Lob play together. Where does Lob play? What Does he ruck? Yeah. Or do they just go with ruck, uh, with Lob in the ruck and don't play Darcy? It's going to be interesting to see when that happens. It'd be crazy if you're getting rid of Darcy. Like, he's such a well, valuable it's happened this commodity season. in AFL. Well, it's happened this season. Uh, yeah, but, you know, he's still young. Uh, you know, I suppose yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's his, um, you know. Opt, opt yeah. out, I suppose. Though. It's more so that Lobb has been just such a reliable scorer yeah, this season. Has, yeah. Coming back, if they're going to play two of them together, it's going to be pretty tough for him to yeah. score well. 
Uh, for the West Coast, nothing too crazy with these guys either. Uh, Brad Shepard, he had another 100. He's really been the surprise packet of the year. Uh, 85 average this season, which obviously probably makes him too good for the pod. But my kind of question is, is what, what are your thoughts on him onwards? You know, he's 28 years old. Uh, he was averaging 74 last season. He's gone up to an 85. You know, is someone like him, you know, worth trading now? Or do you reckon he's still got credits in the bank and, you know, someone you can keep? Because, you know, Hearn went from nothing to, you know, being one of the best defenders in fantasy in, you know, two-year space in, yeah. his, in his late 20s. Is, is Shepard following that same mould? I just depend. It, for me, what you do with him depends on where the position your team's at, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, same with anything, really. But if you're, if you're contending, you hold for now. If yep. you are not contending, you're trying to rebuild. He's definitely one that you want to think about moving on, I think, because I don't think it's sustainable, this kind of scoring. I tend to agree there. So, yeah. if you were not contending, I'd be trying to move him on. And lastly, Chris Mastin. Um, his back centre status can make him a Tempting, especially coming off a 92-point game, but please don't do it because yeah. uh, the 43 and 62 in his two games before that um, suggest that he's not really a viable option and they did seriously beat up on the Dockers, so don't get sucked in. Yeah, and like I saw because I didn't see this game. I was watching the other game, uh, the Geelong game, and uh, I guess seeing this on this score pop up, I'm like, oh, he's probably playing back in the midfield. This is pretty interesting. I had a look at his heat map and it's, no, he's just slutting it up across halfback because uh, Fremantle weren't moving it past there. So, um, yeah, don't get too excited about that one. Rightio, Carlton versus Melbourne, Hef. Now, this was a pretty funny game, really. Yeah, mm. it was pretty Crazy. shit for the first half. And then the last quarter got uh, got the last quarter got pretty interesting, especially the uh, the ball that stopped on the goal line yeah. uh, to seal it for Melbourne. But anyway, they ended up winning uh, anyway after that. But uh, I was going to talk about Tom McDonald, but it's come out in the last couple of days that he is no more for this season. Do you keep? <sighs> you got 16 capers. Yeah. Do you keep? Depends on the other depends on the other fifteen. I, I, yeah, obviously. But <laughs> yeah. I think I think I would because Melbourne season could not have got much worse than it has yeah. this season. I just feel there's gonna be some natural bounce back in twenty twenty. He's gonna he was injured, I think, pre season or yeah. didn't do it all. So I think fresh firing Tom McDonald, they've you know, finally adjusted to life without Jesse Hogan, they're gonna improve. Yeah. I think you keep him. His potential to go big is what makes him kind mm. of attractive. Yeah. So, like, you could take, like, a potential, like, you know, someone, uh, I'm just trying to think of my own team, like, if, if I if I owned him, someone like, you want to, you know, want to keep hang, hold on to, like, someone like Bailey Scott going forward or Liam Stocker, like, those young mm. kids, like, there's no no proof there, no evidence that they're actually going to make it at AFL level. Yeah, Whereas this guy, he's not scoring super well, but he's got, you know, points that runs on the board from previous seasons plus mm-hmm. you see a few games this year where you can just go ham and go yeah. really really large yeah. and I think those big scores like fantasy football is a game of luck and you just want guys mm-hmm. that can pop up especially if they can do it throughout finals or on grand final day yeah. he's definitely got the potential to do that um, so I reckon he is probably worth keeping if you can afford to I guess yeah I would be yeah, uh, Bailey Fritch, 121 points, 26 disposals and 12 marks. He had a, actually a stack of marks across halfback. Saw a bit of midfield time as well, which is probably a little bit different to what we've seen earlier in the season. He was playing more predominantly across halfback. Didn't get huge midfield numbers, but uh, a lot better than what we've previously seen. So he's definitely one to monitor and just see if this continues over the next few weeks. Uh, Braden Pruce had 108 points, 44 hitouts. He's a great ruckman. There's no doubt about that. I was going to say there's no point having him if there's if he's going to come straight back in for Gorn, but now we've seen with Tom McDonald, he might uh, might actually be viable. I just don't think he's going to go that big because he's not going to get that much time in the ruck, I don't think. Becomes, you know, that bit of that problem for both owners because, you know, what do you do? Does yep. he cut Gorn? You don't really know until it happens and uh, 
obviously it'll be awaiting teams to come out on Thursday to see what happens there. Yeah, well, the guy that owns Gorn in our league is sitting top of ladder, so I hope he just eats into all his fantasy scoring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Christian Petrarca, 80 points, three goals. Look, he'll be an 80 average forward and with room to grow next year, I think, um, especially now that he might actually have to step up in Tom McDonald's absence as well. So I reckon it probably be, that's probably a good thing for, Tra- for Petrarca. He remains as a forward and then he can kind of, I don't know, I still think he's got a lot more room to grow. I don't think this is anywhere near his ceiling. And if he can keep that forward status for another couple of years, I think it's going to make him a very uh, juicy prospect. I've compiled a never again list. I oh, know you 20, hate him. And he's, he's on really it well. and so is Jay Gresham. Okay, that, just, that I've written it. them off. Did you own Christian Petrarca at any stage? No. You just don't like him? He's just so unreliable. Oh, I, th- I, like, think, I think his last like month has been super reliable. And eight average, like eighty average for the last month. If you're kicking, if you've got eighty points and you kick three goals, that's not good enough. Yeah. Unless you're playing like a Jordan Goey full forward role. Oh, I don't know. He gets stuck up forward a bit. He needs we'll more. He on. needs to be better. Uh, Alex Neil Bullen had eighty-two points, fifteen touches, and five tackles. Good game from him. The the the, the ball was in Melbourne's forward line a lot, and he gets a lot of his points from those forward pressure tackles. Mm-hmm. So he needs to be playing in a side or playing in a Melbourne side that's actually going to have the ball on their forward line to be decent. So playing against Carlton, he looks really good this week. Yep. And I do like him. Like I think in his first uh, early days, he was a really consistent scorer, yeah, and those was. tackling numbers were big. And he kind of lapsed a bit, you know, last year. I don't mind the prospect, but I'm just saying don't get too excited just yet. I am getting excited because he's a new addition to the chops. <laughs> yeah, you traded him in last week. <laughs> yeah, you uh, he was a bit of state knives there, but uh, look, I, he's just one of those guys you could probably take a punt on, you know, heading into next season. And there's enough about him that, you know, potentially there's some good, good fantasy stuff there. Maybe not. He's a bit of a coin flip for me, um, but you're right. It, he, it's very dependent on how well Melbourne's going. So if you're kind of backing Melbourne in to improve the rest of this season or improve next year, then, you know, he's probably someone you'd, you'd be entertaining. All right. Speaking of not getting too excited, Jack Silvani. Yeah. 109 points, eight yeah. disposals, 10 marks and three goals. So that's a huge game from him. Um, he is playing this tagging role. So we played it in the first half, I think it was. So it was kind of the opposite yeah. of last week. Mm. And then went back up forward and started kicking some goals. So I don't know. I shut him down last week, but I think there's actually some potential here. But <sighs> it's so know. hard to actually tell. So, you know, like is this Dylan Clark 2.0? Yeah. You know, like having has a, a couple of good games, you know, tagging well, does good things, yeah. scores well. And then, you know, you come back to reality and he's just a 60, 70 kind of player. I the, don't know. The difference, I guess, Jack Silvani's got that other string to his bow where he goes mm. forward and can get a couple goals yeah, yeah. there that can bump him up. I'm, I'm going to say keep watching. We can't make a definitive call just yet. Oh, there's no it's way you can make a definitive call. But do you pick him up this week if you do play waivers because the potential that he goes, you know, big again and starts being a decent scorer? Good question. Um, I think you do. Like, I think you've just got to grab him. If you, th- if you think there's any chance of him doing it, yeah, you've got to, you can't wait another week because he's going to be gone. That's true. He's probably gone he, by now already. By probably, yeah, he's going to be hot. He's going to yeah. be hot properly. Just you know, as we said, you know, scoring hundreds is bloody good going. Yeah, back uh, to and, back he's a, and he's a back forward too, which is super handy. So, fifty five percent owned. Yeah, okay. You know, so that's, that's on the borderline there. He's on, look. I was never really a massive fan. He's only twenty one, and they're playing Sydney this week. You know, there's some positives there, especially his back forward. Yeah. I don't know. I reckon you got to snap him up, just yeah. in case. Uh, Will Setterfield, seventy-two points. He's been playing this wing role on the for the last few weeks, but he kicked a few goals, pushing forward. I have a lot more faith in him now than I did earlier in the season. Hopefully, he can maintain this role uh, and just play a bit more midfield time, and hopefully, he can be half decent. He should keep his forward status uh, next season. Off. I'm so. not interested in Will Setterfield at all. Okay. All right, let's move on to North Melbourne versus St Kilda. Yes, we'll kick off with Jai Simpkin. Uh, geez, he's found a very, very nice role with um, 
Shaw at the helm of their side. 36 touches, 110 points. The biggest gripe is uh, one mark and three tackles. That just kills that potential. You know, if you, having 36 touches, you're usually scoring 120 and that kind of thing. So if you can kind of bump up those, you know, slutty marks, uh, a few more tackles, it's very good. Um, he's only 69% owned still, which is quite good because he was a high draft pick, always been spoken about quite well. Yeah. Well, he was never really playing that fantasy-friendly role, you know, the half-forward flanker role. Now he's been given the keys to the, the Commodore by Ray Shaw and he's scoring well. I like it. He jumped quite quickly because uh, I wanted to include him in the Waver Wire podcast this week, but he was uh, too highly Going owned. Going quickly, yeah. yeah. No surprises, but uh, I still think there's time to get on board. And, you know, I think we talked about him a bit this podcast and I think 2020 is going to be his season to shine, but geez, He's uh, going to put a hot back uh, of 2019 in as well. Uh, Cam Zerha, he was quiet for a few weeks, but uh, five goals, three and 108 Dream Team points will change that for sure. Look, he's just one of those guys in the role that he's playing now, his, his age, that kind of thing. He's going to be up and down. So um, he's one I would like to get my hands on in 2020. I think he's got the good size about him, uh, you know, knows where the goals are, finds a tough ball too. So uh, please keep him on your uh, radars for sure. And a big question for Hef, Paul Ahern. What happened to him? Ahern. Ahern, whatever. <laughs> Ahern. A-hole. Um, 64 uh, points from 76% time on ground. He's just been forgotten there. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, playing that kind of more inside role, you've got Ben Cunnington in the side. Then we've got Jed Anderson that was also playing in there too, a bit more outside. But then you got the, you know, inclusion of Polek this year. Just kind of pushed him out, I think, to the outer. Um, he's been scoring really, really well VFL level. Mm-hmm. And coming back into this side, I don't know if he's really got the tank to play. Um, you know, those full... AFL minutes just yet as well. So he's going to have to build them up a bit. Uh, Are we looking at next year? I'm keeping him. Yeah, next year. So if he can actually get a few good games in the back half of this season too. New coach, who knows what's going to happen, but yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Clark, he was pretty gutsy to come back on after being absolutely steamrolled by uh, Jack Zebel. He ran right through him. He had 78 from 71% time on ground. And seriously, guys, 45% owned. Get him in your sides now. Uh, He's one I want every single bit of in 2020. He's gonna his his back half of the year is gonna paint a big picture as to what he can do in the future. But uh, as a backman, uh, you got to be in in right now with Hunter Clark. And lastly, Ben Patton, another one of my boys, another one I have twenty twenty vision for. Look, he was solid enough uh, for his sixty nine. Played ninety one percent time on ground uh, due to injuries with um, Josh Battle yeah. and a few others. So he's just one of my gut feel selections heading forward. So um, he's one that I just want to keep an eye on. I think there's some talent there. The Saints seem to like him. So um, takes a good grab, Ben Patton. All right, last game of the round, GWS versus Brisbane Lions. Bit of a shock upset case, I don't know. Uh, I think Brisbane are really good. Yeah, I know. We're playing them this weekend. So yeah, I know. Not looking forward to that. Adelaide Radio is disgraceful. It's like, oh, if we lose to Brisbane, you know, we're no good. <laughs> Guys, Brisbane are fucking top four. Like, check yourselves, idiots. Yeah. Anyway. I'm still uh, not 100% sure that they're that kind of calibre. Like, yeah, currently they are right now. But I still think there's four better sides than in the AFL. Yeah, but the way that Adelaide Radio is talking about them, it's like, oh, yeah, Port- yeah. Porter is good as Brisbane or better than Brisbane. No. No, they're not. Like, they're good for... They're beating GWS for a reason. Anyhow... Everyone's uh, beating GWS at the moment. Yeah. And, and Collingwood, by the way. No. <laughs> Bunny sides. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Brett Delidio, he is your finals winner here. Come and get him before he's uh, all gone. 101 points in a loss. 26 touches, 8 marks. Just a little side note. 
GWS play Gold Coast in the final round of the season, a.k.a. grand final week for most leagues. So if you are looking to stock up some players, get GWS Giants in your side because they could have an absolute field day against Gold Coast, especially if they're chasing percentage to sneak into a top four. These are actually the things we've got to start thinking about uh, Mm. and our listeners as well, what the matchups are going into finals for some of your players too. That's not the hottest tip you've heard all night. You're listening to the wrong show. Uh, Harry Himmelberg, 98 points from him. He's on that shows a bit. Like, he's 23 years old. Uh, he kicked four snags on the weekend. He, he usually sits around that mid-60s uh, score each week. Like, he's pretty reliable in that in that caliber. But I know Jeremy Finlayson was down on the weekend. Uh, had a real dirty day. Do we have any trust in someone like Harry Himmelberg just with his size and, and his ability? Just you'd put him down as that tall forward kind of thing? No, as a previous owner, he's a great bench option, Mm -hmm. uh, but probably nothing more than that for me. Okay. And moving on to Brisbane, uh, Lincoln McCarthy. GC's had a really, really strong post-buy period. Uh, 109 from him on the weekend with three snags and 22 touches. He's averaging 94 in his last three games, which is some uh, pretty damn hot football. Look, I think uh, last time he popped up on the pod, I called him a bit of a, you know, a role player and, you know, he's not really got much to offer in terms of fantasy. But I now have a bit of an interest in the 25-year-old. I think there's a, you know, he's obviously locked that spot, locked his spot into the Brisbane side, which is a bloody good side to be in at the moment. Scoring well, kicking goals. I think he might be a bit of a confidence player. And if yeah. he can continue this for the rest of the season, he might be one you want to bring in, especially, you know, uh, towards the end of this year. He showed a lot at Geelong, just never got the you know consistent opportunity. Yep. I think he's uh, something to start looking at anyway. Mm. Uh, Luke Hodge, 48% owned, 85 points on the weekend, but that's his second best score of 2019. So another one you're just going to be wary of. Uh, don't just go on what their score was last time. Look at you know what they've been doing this season. He's averaging 65. And he looks and- like he's 65 as well. <laughs> and there are probably older players you know who have that ability, like a Brett Delidio. Uh, Luke Hodge does not. So uh, he just, just looks like he's struggling at all times. He's just hanging on for this last <laughs> final series. Yeah. And uh, Steph Martin, I reckon this guy listens to the pod because we wrote him off before the buy, and he's come back and gone 119, 115, and 106. So obviously he was aided by uh, GWS not really having a, a good ruckman oh, with how, 52 hitouts there. How dare you disgrace Dawson Simpson like that? Uh, his name's Dawson. <laughs> um, 52 hitouts, but what I liked, you know, six tackles uh, and I think it was 14 or so touches. So he's showing some good intent around the ball, getting the, the footy on the outside, not just winning taps, which is good. So there might be a bit of a reconnaissance for Steph Martin. So, um, you know, just uh, hold at this stage. All right, that wraps up the round. Rewind and we'll move on to From the Twos. All right, moving on to From the Twos, the segment where we look at uh, all the state leagues and just find the top five scorers from each league there and report them back to you. And uh, hopefully if they do get a run in the AFL, they can uh, replicate this form at the senior level. Uh, the great state, Sample, my man, William Frampton, had 127 points. Now, this is kind of an interesting one, I guess, because mm. uh, Lysa did cop a injury mm. on the weekend. I think Laddams is kind of not quite there. They might think about something like Billy Frampton. you think Paddy Ryder would be the go-to. He had a big game in the twos as well. Um, um, but, yeah, I don't know if that's relevant, but I thought it would just be interesting to uh, make note of. Uh, Riley Knight had 124. Patrick Wilson, who's always in there, 122 points. Uh, Boyd Woodcock, 
had 111 for Port Adelaide. And Kane Farrell, after getting dropped, Kane went back and had 109 points. So good signs there. A lot of players knocking on the door mm-hmm. uh, there in the SNFL. Uh, on to the VFL, Jonathan Segler, 140 from him. Uh, Matty Lobie, 132, but he's only averaging 82 this season. So it kind of shows where he's at with his footy. He's had a good fortnight though. So Yeah, but you know. You want to be a bit more than oh, that yeah, of as, a, as a Carlton Rutman. Uh, Bailey Dale could be anything. Uh, 127. He's averaging 82 this season. Uh, Taylor Gardner, Gardner, sorry, 126, averaging 71. My boy, Will Snelling, 125. He's going at 112 since coming across to the VFL. Uh, I think he was the eighth highest uh, fantasy point scorer in that Sandville before going to. So I reckon if uh, there's any chance of him coming in, he could score quite well at the AFL level too. It's just so disappointing that Essendon started playing some reasonable football just as he got drafted. I know. Like I thought he'd been for sure by now. Well, as soon as they ruled out Smith, I thought, you yeah, know, straight this, in. This but is the uh, reason why they picked him up. Not happening. On to the Neeful. So Corey Lyons was actually named. A couple of weeks ago, but didn't make the uh, extended bench, and he had 146 points. Uh, it was an emergency last week. I'm pretty sure. Tough so, to crack the line. Side yeah, it's so hard. But they've just got so much. Like I know it seems stupid, but they've got these young players in the in the needle that are just carving up each mm. week and cannot get in the midfield. There, uh, Aaron Young played his second game back, had 127 points. Now this guy's a reasonable fantasy scorer, and mm. I don't know after the Gold Coast performance on the weekend, you'd assume there might be a few. You know, the axe might be swung, mm-hmm. and Aaron Young's been injured for quite a while now, but played back to back games. So wonder start thinking about. Uh, Archie Smith had 125. Steph Martin doing too much there though. Uh, Jacob Allison had 121. Again, tough to crouch Brisbane. And George Holland smith the hyphen. Someone else that could uh, be in line for a recall at some stage. I feel he's out of credit. Yeah, some do. I'll do through. Uh, it's hard to get on Stuart Jew's good side as well. Mm. Uh, and lastly, the waffle. Matty Allen, 127 from him. Hamish Brayshaw, uh, 117. He's gone 300 in a row at waffle level, which is good. If any, if any West Coast midfield goes down. I reckon he's the next in line. Yeah. And he's scoring pretty well. He is. Uh, Talon Juman, 114. He should be back in this weekend, yep. uh, according to rumours. Josh Smith, 112 from him. And Bailey Banfield, who got his opportunity at uh, AFL level two weeks back, dudded it up, but he's uh, dominating the waffle. So, interesting one there. Averaging 104 in the waffle. Mm. All right, moving on to the captain's call. Okay, moving on to the captain's call, the segment where we have a look at a few sort of left field captain options and try to pick some players that aren't usually at the top of the list, but guys that you might have to rely on in your keeper teams. Uh, Luke Shuey is the first one for me. So he's had uh, 120 from his last three. He's in some rupert form. So don't be afraid to uh, chuck the C on him if you need to. He averages 94 against Collingwood as well. Uh, Jack Billings, uh, he plays Geelong this week. Doesn't have the best record against him, but again, another player that's in some really good form, 111 from his past three and 126 from his past five. So a few big games in there. Um, so, yeah, definitely that form is someone that makes him a bit of a uh, captain option. Uh, Dylan Shields also in good form, 125 last week. Also averaged 90 against uh, North Melbourne too. Yago uh, Mira, super solid season, but averages 98 against Fremantle. So another one to consider. Uh, Jared Witt also playing really well at the moment. He averages 90 at Metricon Stadium. So he should go okay this weekend against the Crows, playing against uh, Riley O'Brien, who is scoring pretty well himself, but he does seem to be giving up points to Ruckman as well. We saw Lysett have a huge game on the weekend. So interesting to have a look at there. Rowan Marshall is amazing. Uh, what a pickup you've got him this season. Uh, he only averages 48 against uh, Geelong, but I'm sure that's only from one game. And uh, But he, at the moment, he's currently going at... Uh, 
99 and uh, had 112 from his last three. Uh, Riley O'Brien coming up against Gold Coast again, scoring really well. Um, yeah, we've got him projected to score at 104 this week and he's got a last average of 118. So another worthy option. Dion Prestia is in some good form also. So if you need to chuck a C on someone there, Sam Walsh is also putting up captain-like numbers, uh, 112 from his last three. And uh, Isaac Heaney also 108 from his last three. His last five is 110. We think he'll go around that 100 mark again. And last but not least, uh, Jack Crisp. Uh, he scores reasonably well against West Coast. Uh, averaging 89 against them. Uh, but, yeah, his projection looks quite good this weekend. We think you go around the 100 mark as well. And more importantly, my gut feel captain's call last week was Justin Westhoff. And what did oh, he do? He scored yeah. 132. Thank you very much. Just, uh, I know it's not really on the captain's call s- subject, but that was pretty interesting just because uh, not having to play, I guess, with um, playing with Charlie Dixon in the side mm. frees him up a little bit Correct. so he doesn't have to play in the 40s, 50s. And then the other the other thing, though, as well, with Paddy Ryder not there, he jumps in and pinch hits, pinch hits in the Ruckman when Lysett goes out. So he's back to pretty much last season. So yep. a good one to jump on if you can get him. Oh, yeah. All right, let's move on to the listener tweets. Okay, moving on to the listener tweets, our favourite segment of the week. We'll get stuck straight into it. Uh, first tweet comes from at Kennel Keepers. Langford and Swallow for Rosie, not in premiership contention. 12-team keepers with 16 keepers. Kays, what do you think? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, look, I don't know. I would probably go no with that trade, but I do rate Kyle Langford higher than he probably should be. So, the other thing is that Dave Swallow's actually been pretty solid this season. He scored six tonnes uh, at 89, so I know it's no world beater kind of thing, but, you know, he's only 26. He's still got a lot to give, and if you're pumping out, you know, six to eight tonnes a year, that's still good going. And if Langford can kind of hold his spot and deliver on what he should be doing, I think that's good. You know, Rosie, you know, yes, he's been pretty hot this year. He's going to lose his back forward status and probably just become a forward. You know, what's his ceiling now? I, I don't know. I think it's uh, high 90s, I reckon, when yeah. he gets going eventually. So, you're really giving up, a, you know, basically you're trading Swallow for Rosie and getting Langford, Langford for free, you know. So, I still think if you, you're going on that, you're on the, the rough end of the stick there um, if you're just taking Rosie. It's quite an even trade. I think if you do decide to do it, it's not the worst thing in the world either. So Depending, go. you know, if you're trying to get your own your 16 yeah. capers and, and slot it in, but, go with you know, gut. potentially it's a win-win. Yeah. Uh, at Trav014. Uh, congratulations, by the way, Trav, on the birth of Phoebe. But uh, moving on, Patrick Wilson, good recent form is the question, uh, picturing a, an AFL article. These guys seriously has been in hot form since round one. Corey Maynard in for the Ds this week, I reckon. Good stash. Thoughts on Quayna? Uh, looked good. Hashtag save Ken. Hashtag get Patrick in. So a bit happening there. Um, Paddy Wilson, is it happening, Hef? Uh, I can't see it happening. There's been so many opportunities for him to come in with uh, Gibbs's form and injuries to other midfielders, Matt Crouch and all that sort of stuff. And there's no chance of him, you know, he hasn't come in, seen the seen a lot of day just yet. I don't think it's happening now. Um, Isaac Quainer, now we touched on this uh, earlier in the podcast. So I just want to talk about his underage numbers. So under 18 champs, he averaged 58. And in the TAC Cup, he averaged 60. 
64, mm. but 90 uh, Supercoach average in the TAC Cup. So we saw on the weekend it was at a big first quarter, then slowed down. I'm thinking he might be a bit of a, or definitely a Supercoach goer um, mm. eventually. As an AFL fantasy player, I want to see more from him. But like we said, you've got to jump on now, otherwise someone yep. else will. So you've got no chance anyway. Yeah. But uh, I won't be surprised, and or I, will, or I wouldn't feel super disheartened if I do miss out on him right now because I'm not 100 percent convinced there's a real fantasy game there. Mm. But he did look good. And we'll combine this in with uh, at Dan K 101's question. He asked his thoughts on Quayna too, and yeah, from my point of view, I think his poise and his m- mature body looked a, a good one. So it's going to be a great watch to the end of the season with Collingwood to see how he kind of goes. But I am quite hot on that. Uh, Dan also wanted to know about Link McCarthy. Both uh, he's picked up both as free agents, um, but he's just not sure about their future. And, and we did talk about Link McCarthy in the in the pod. I do like it that he's only twenty five still, and there is some upside there. So I think taking both of them at this point of the year. A, a good option because you've, you've got six or seven weeks to see what both can deliver before having to make that keeper call towards the end of next uh, end of next year. So uh, end of this year, sorry. So um, I think both are quite good um, takes at this point of the season. Uh, at Russ two four six eight, can you recommend any listed or likely to be drafted rucks that I can look at for next year's draft as a hold? My keeper league ruck stacks are McAvoy, Segler, and Darcy. The two Hawks only have two to three years left, and I need to look at rejuvenating my ruck division shortly. All right, so I'm not sure if you mean by next year's draft as in like 18-year-olds coming into mm-hmm. the system. But uh, if you are thinking about that, Luke Jackson looks like a good promise, uh, promising prospect. Um, at 95 average of the under-18 champs, he's only playing Colts uh, outside of that in the waffle, mm-hmm. I think, because the under-18 champs ran over a few weeks, played yeah. on weekends, so yeah. they haven't been playing a lot of uh, state league stuff. But he was dominating that before he went off to play in the under-18 champs. So 95 average there looks pretty good. And mm-hmm. he's the only real ruckman I can really see that has you know a decent fantasy potential there in the underage stuff. But going forward, uh, Darcy Cameron, next year looks like a pretty hot prospect by a few clubs uh, a few people are chasing him in a trade they want him yeah and he's always been kind of someone we've always thought he if he got the opportunity he could have some fantasy potential fantasy mm. game there he does score okay in the NEFL, Um so one that could uh, benefit going to a new club and actually getting a run Kieran Briggs got drafted last year to GWS now this is interesting with you'd assume Mumford doesn't go around again he's on a one year contract and I don't think they're going to be taking him again Dawson Simpson doesn't look uh, that special so I reckon the, the future's going to go to Kieran Briggs unless there's going to be a big trade to bring in a Ruckman next season. Mm. Um, Kieran Briggs is definitely one old stash for the future. You get to that Tim English kind of mould, you know, because he's going to be thrown into the role yeah. potentially before he's ready. So if you're doing it, you've got to be patient with it. Hopefully you've got Darcy as well, so he can actually kind of cut some or kind of hold up your team for a bit. So, um, but yeah, I think what we saw from Kieran Briggs in uh, last year's under 18 numbers is very, very good and and needful. Uh, so he'd be one I'd be pretty hot on going forward. Yep. Uh, what do we got? Bagels four. If you have expendable pieces to add to Angus Brayshaw, what's a good midfielder, midfielder sorry, to sideways trade to if you're contending this season? Well, I don't think you're going to get a lot for Angus Brayshaw at the moment, but uh, the, the guys that you could help you get your flag just be some of the older guys, maybe someone like Pendles or Henderson. I know he's had a lean few weeks, but mm-hmm. they could be someone that they might be trading out to try to grab someone for the future. I do personally think Brayshaw will bounce back eventually, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be this year. He's playing too far away from the footy or too far here on the outside at the moment, but I think they'll reshuffle when people like Jones and that get a bit on uh, longer in the tooth or Varney yep. uh, gets injured again or something like that. So, um, yeah, at the moment, I'd be looking at older guys to help you contest. 
turn. With steak knives, you might be lucky. You might be get someone from like the Liam Shields or Dyson Heppel yep. calibre. But uh, those I guys that are pretty solid hundreds, but they never, yeah. they don't have a massive ceiling. Like high nineties, like they'll yep. go, they'll, you know, they can go big. But then the next week, like you look at Liam Shields, he had one hundred and twenty-five one week, and then eighty-five the next week, and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. those kind of guys that, that will be probably a little bit more reliable, only slightly, but a little bit more reliable than Brayshaw. You might be able to steak knife a couple of players in and get one of those guys. Mm. All right, uh, from Jim Bob Holder. Uh, is Witherden a good buy low candidate and will he bounce back? I think he's a great buy low candidate. Uh, I think he's going to bounce back. 2019 might not be his season, but I think 2020 plus he's just going to be a, a very, very good player. Um, the Lions are playing a, a fantastic team brand of footy at the moment, so everyone's yep. bought into that. So, um, you know, w- wouldn't take much to, you know, change bits and pieces around for him to get back into that um, high-scoring um, calibre. And I think, you know, he's got such a long career ahead that um, you can't go wrong buying him low at all. Uh, at Kennel Keepers, uh, thoughts on trading Nank and Seb Ross for Warple in an eight-team keeper with 18 keepers. In brackets, both Nank and Ross weren't going to be keepers. Holy shit. Yeah. What kind of team are you rocking, Kennel Keepers? Well, yeah, if you've got if you've got those guys not as keepers, your team must be going okay. Um, look, if you're if you're trading two non-keepers for a keeper, it's a no-brainer for me. Yep. That said, I don't know if they should be non-keepers. But I do think Ross will bounce back, uh, hopefully under a new coach next year. Richo's a dead man walking. Uh, we should see a change – or hopefully see a change in his role. I do think Ross will bounce back. Uh, look, like I said, if you think you're giving away two non-keepers for a keeper, you do it. But for me... I, I reckon, reckon you could be- almost just use one of them to get Warple, couldn't yeah. you? Uh, I don't know. Like, like, Ruffman are pretty valuable in a keeper league. But is Nank that valuable? Just, you know, injury history. Had that one huge year. He's been okay since then. But I don't well, know. Well, you're stating us, really don't need to be Seb Ross then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah, maybe Seb Ross is a decent trade, but still I'd probably be keeping Warple. So, I don't know, maybe... You're probably paying a bit overs, but maybe you could find a better steak knife uh, mm. to go with Seb Ross or sorry, to go with Nank or something like that. Uh, at rbrian19, uh, is Jai Simpkin legit or are these last two weeks just a flash in the pan? Uh, well, Weapon, we think that, uh, well, I think that he's legit, but uh, he needs to get a bit fantasy sluttier in terms of his marks and tackles. You know, if you, 36 touches, you have to have talent to get that much ball in AFL football. So, um, he's obviously got the goods, just needs a bit more time. Give him another two or three weeks and I reckon we'll know a lot more about Jai Simkin. Okay, uh, moving on to the next question from at Dan K 101 I have Connor Blakely and have been patient holding him all year. Should I consider bundling him in a trade? If so, what should I expect to get from him? Uh, for him, sorry. His upside is huge and is young, but his scoring this year has not been good. Well, if you believe the press, uh, Blakely's going back into the midfield this week, which should mean some bigger scores. But look, if you're not contending, I think he's a must hold because you've obviously held him for most of the season. He's only played, you know, four or six games. So, you know, you've held him for the majority of the season where he's not been playing. Why trade him now for peanuts? Yeah. So, look, even if you are contending, I think you'd probably make a case to keep him, um, you know, into next year because, you know, we know his scoring ability is there. But if you're not contending, he's just a no-brainer to hold. Yeah, two weeks ago we saw him play a fair bit of midfield time. That wouldn't with Talon Jaman in the side. Talon Jaman looks like he's coming back in this week, so that should see a bit more uh, midfield time for Blakely. So just hold tight for now. Uh, at CWR four one two, given his past fortnight and low time on ground, would you consider Rowbottom as a potential keeper over Bose and Chera? Uh, will Chera ever cut it? 
All right, so Robottom, um, yes, but monitor for a bit longer. So don't make any you know rash decisions now, purely because um, Bose had a huge enter last season, mm-hmm. and he would might he might come back in a few weeks' time. He's probably got a month of footy left when he yep. gets back. Yeah, yeah. So just you'd want to watch the back end of his season just to make sure you're not making the uh, wrong call there. Chera looks a bit lost to me. Uh, it needs to break into the midfield at Fremantle, but Fremantle's midfield isn't overly strong anyway. So I'm not sure where he stands. He might end up being just a role player at Fremantle, and you know one of those players that does his job week in, week out, but doesn't have that fantasy game. Uh, for me, Chera is definitely the one that goes there. Um, and I'd just monitor between Bose and Robottom because Bose has a potential just to go large as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Anthony, 151638976543211. It's <laughs> a lot of numbers in this one. Uh, need a midfielder to round out my side for finals. Currently rolling with a mid forward as my forward line is stacked. Can you suggest a target who and who to offer up? Uh, forward line has Ablett, Westoff, Green, Buddy, Gunston, Dunkley, Lysett and Daniel. Wowee. What's what a, a hot forward line. Uh, obviously, Caleb Daniel is injured and probably is the one you could trade out but if you are in a keeper league I think his currency is so high because he's going to be a backman next year Yeah. so he's one, you want to keep uh, in terms of that. Gunston is probably the one that's an easy one to get rid of there but what you're going to get in return I'm not sure. Um, Scott Lysett's probably got a fair bit of currency too um, but obviously depends on how your rock stocks are. If you're playing him as a forward you've obviously got a pretty good ruckman as well so um, Lysett, uh, Gunston might be a nice little package option there Look, if you're contending for finals and you and you need a good midfielder, you know there's a plethora of good midfielders out there. Really depends on what you want. Do you want the guy who's got a big ceiling, or do you want a guy who's pretty consistent? You know, you can, um, you know, whether it's a there's a few guys, especially around Essendon, you know, Zach Merritt's either hot or cold. Uh, Dylan Shields a bit the same. There's a few guys who mix it up. It's just you've just got to go whether you want to want, want that guy who's going to win you a game off his own boot, or you just want that consistent 100. So uh, kind of pick your your midfielder there. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be uh, against, but um, sorry, doubling up with a, you know maybe a Lysette with a Gunston handcuff, and you might get a nice little return for that. All right, at Henry Katz asks, it's almost finals time and I'm an only an outside chance to take the flag. I'm considering trading now on players who might lose forward status to try and maximise value. Will you be doing a Patreon episode on the likely gains and losses and keepers of status will be? Uh, two guys I'm looking at currently are Warpool and Parrish. Well, that is a good uh, question. We might, I might even put an article together over the next couple of weeks about yeah. who might lose their uh, DPP. But um, look, I did have a look at, through all the the list today, and there's a lot of backs who will probably hold their their status. There wasn't too many who I thought, ah, oh, now they're playing a lot more midfield than than back this season. So I think if you're holding Batman, they're quite safe. Uh, Connor Rosie's obviously going to lose his back status, and Jeremy Finlayson will lose his, but they were uh, back forward DPP, so they're quite handy anyway. Look, I think the the forward lines are going to be an issue and I think there could be a plethora of guys that do lose it. Obviously, Warple and Parrish are big contenders there. Uh, Travis Boak's probably going to lose it. Um, Josh Dunkley should lose it. Uh, Paddy Lipinski's been in the midfield quite a bit. Darcy McPherson's probably going to lose it. Uh, SPS, Sam petrevsky Seaton could lose it. Jade Gresham as well, maybe even Brandon Parfitt. So, there's a few guys but we, we, we do see that over time that, you know, a lot of the midfielders have um, mid-forward DPP and then yeah. end up being pure mids. So, look, it really depends on what what you think they can actually score as a as a midfielder as well? You know, look, I'd, I'd probably be comfortable keeping James Warple as a midfielder only. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be as comfortable keeping Parrish as a midfielder only. So um, that's what you got to put yourself in. Same with like you know Dunkley. You know, if Dunkley loses his midfield uh, his forward status, 
he's still going to be in your side because he's still a good midfielder. So that's what you got to go. Will they still fit into my side if I if they lose their forward status? If yes, keep them. If not, potentially Parish is someone you can trade on high with uh, with forward status potentially leaving, and then just target whoever you need, whether it's a back uh, or a midfielder or a ruckman, and, and go from there. And last tweet of the night comes from at Cherto5. So, boys, can you give me a pros and cons on extended squads and closing the wa- waiver wire off for the season versus smaller squads and an open wire? Uh, suggesting to my league but getting backlash from a few, aim would be more trading. We have had one trade since the start of the season, so I'm mm-hmm. thinking they must be closing off their waiver wire or considering it. Uh, Kai's pros and cons, what do you think about bigger squads and closed waiver wires? Well, that's what we operate on our home league, so... We're pretty well versed speaking at that. So the, the pros there are it's usually more trading and it's not necessarily always in-season trading. That's the great thing. It's the, the pre-season trading. So, um, you know, people have to fit in um, smaller amounts of, oh, sorry, people into their keeper spots, uh, trading of draft picks. So there's usually quite a bit of trade uh, pre and uh, in during season. And it also encourages deeper study. So um, the people who, you know, go deeper like People who listen to our podcast, you know, kind of get the rewards because they know about, you know, the players who are up and coming and it's not just, you know, the guys you read on, um, you know, the AFL website, yeah. the guys that get all the, the press. You have to follow the guys that are coming from the draft, follow the guys in the VFL, all that mm. sort of stuff. So, the guys who are willing to do that extra work will get rewarded more. Yeah. And obviously, it also means that there's players who slip through um, in the draft who then are there waiting next year's nice little gem. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Alex Wither didn't slip through, so he was basically the pick one next year I think um, Aaron Hall when he had that hot season it was actually good at football um, you know he was number one draft pick again so there's sounds like many moons, of, many moons ago <laughs> but yeah. you know there's always a few people who slip through you know even next year we're excited about a few people who have slipped through too so yeah like Sydney Stack's available in our league yeah and, and that's just yeah. and that's just cool because you know you, you're basically looking up uh, waiting for this season and monitoring what's going on because there's these guys that you can see so it also encourages like when the pre-season training comes around trading for draft picks we try to work your way up the yeah. draft order a bit more and stuff like that yeah and the concept uh, well, I guess you can stuck with donuts pretty quickly uh, mm-hmm. or you have to trade to cover them and you just end up getting screwed over because yep. oh, if you don't do, make this trade, you're going to have a donut for the Which next month kind of thing. And exactly. Then, yeah, so it kind of you get screwed over in trading. Uh, and the season can also be over real quick if you don't, uh, I don't know, if, you, if things don't go to plan real early or if you guys start getting dropped and stuff like that. And I guess there's also a lot of stashes as well. So teams t- tend to hold on to players for a bit longer knowing that they've got the extra draft spot. They can kind of stash them away. Yep. That's why I'd probably suggest not having anything bigger than like your best 18. Mm-hmm. So if they're not playing on your ground or like, you know not going to make your best eighteen, then they're not going to be able to stash players for as long. And you know that I reckon is the optimum. You know sixteen to eighteen is the optimum to have more trading. Yeah. Well, we play sixteen keepers, and then you redraft sixteen, and we've also got a rookie list of six. So yeah. you know there's you know you still your good players are retained, but there's still enough going around in the draft next year to make it interesting. Um, also, your planning structure really comes into it too when it comes to your draft, which is a great. Uh, you know strategy about drafting is you know how many rucks do you take how many backs do you take to cover it you know in case yeah. you do get screwed over so you know you have to think of everything a bit more um, you know holistically um, when you do lock waivers yeah and it makes a draft really interesting as well because you're not just oh, I'm not going to take the next best player there could be someone that you really want but you're like I've really got to take a defender here because that yep. next best defender is going yep. and I'm not going to have any cover and mm. so you've got to take this person it kind of just makes the draft a bit more dynamic as well and small squads open waivers the pros are well I reckon 
it rewards the guys who watch the game really closely. So you see a guy having a really good game on the weekend. You know, Sunday night, they get on the waiver wire, snap up a player, and the guy who's waiting to Wednesday or to even think about their side uh, loses out. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's a pro or con. Really depends which side of the uh, yeah. you know, you're on. Um, so And then you get more players to draft on the draft night. So you've probably more quality there yeah. overall. So yeah. what about the cons? Uh, it's obviously less trading. So yeah. um, because you can pick up and delist, you know, there's, almost, there's no need to really go to anyone else unless you're trying to do a, a sideways trade. But that doesn't really happen. Like I play legs like that where the waiver wires open and basically if you have an issue, you just delist someone and pick someone else up. Yeah. So there's there's not as much of that, um, you know, banter and camaraderie there. And you probably also don't need as much research because you can go in, kind of pick your best 18 players and then just, you know, basically rotate in and off the, the waiver wire from there. So, look, each each has its pros and cons. Uh, for me, I'm personally a more, um, you know, bigger squad and close the waivers. It, it does make trading more exciting. It probably a bit promotes a bit more banter. And, yeah, for us, I actually have always enjoyed the the fact that you can go deep and, you know, do your research into the, the under-18s, the, the guys playing the twos. That's obviously why we're doing this podcast. So, yeah. um, that's what we like. So, that's what we go with. Boosting, uh, boosting the trading is a big thing, I think, for most leagues. So, making sure trading is actually happening because, gee, some of the banter, just, you know, one-on-one conversations with your mates during the week, just trying to get a deal done. Mm. Like, it's, it's exhausting, but so yeah. much fun and hilarious at the same time. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind having Oliver Thorne on my side. Apparently, oh, apparent, I'm, getting, I'm getting them too. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, Kane Lambert is the going offer for, for a guy who averages, you know, 60. So, you know, oh, geez, this I've is the that. kind of fun we have. I've had that conversation all week as well. <laughs> Jeez. It's good to see I'm not the only one. I'm going crazy. <laughs> All right, uh, before we wrap up, we better uh, just mention Patreon. We had a new Patreon uh, subscriber nice. this week. So, a uh, big thank you to Alvin Prasad. And, uh, yeah, if you'd like to join up to the Patreon, head to uh, patreon.com slash pod. You get all the State League stats. You get all the projections. You get all, you know, weekly waiver wire podcast. And there'll be some uh, under-18 stuff going up soon as well, just a bit of analysis into those games and see how the spread of scoring goes for the under-18s players. Uh, no iTunes reviews this week, but if if you, uh, if you are listening and you do have an iTunes account and you do uh, haven't, well, I guess haven't commented yet or haven't reviewed yet, could you please do us a favour, maybe give us a five star and write a little comment down there, it just helps us climb the podcast ranks. Alright, so that is a wrap for this week. Uh, yep. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at Keeper League Pod. Head to our website, keeperleaguepod.com.au um, and yeah, I guess that's it, Kay. Is anything else from you? I'm off to Melbourne to watch the Dons this Saturday, so I'm pretty excited. I'm off to Beer and Barbecue festival this weekend Damn. and i doubt i'm going to watch that much football Even so next better. week's podcast could be interesting well i'll know one game <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'll watch me oh i won't be watching any sober so we'll see how we go perfect this next week podcast <laughs> could be anything just have to make it up i think all right thanks for listening for the keeper uh, to the keeper league pod for another week and we'll talk to you soon see ya